Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. Hey, well, today we're in week three of our What We Believe series. This is a fall series where we're looking at what we've called our four essential doctrines. We have a lot of things that we believe about a lot of different things and, and there's a lot of various uh, diverse thoughts and beliefs about how we interpret passages of scripture or whatever, but there are four essentials that we're not moving away from and we just believe these are true and they, def- they really shape all the other things and their level of importance for us. Uh, as you go through our next steps class, if you've not done that yet, to become part of our, our team and our church family, you're gonna hear about these four essential doctrines. We say we believe the Bible is true That was our first Sunday in this series. Then we say, we believe Jesus is Lord. He is God over everything and he's God over us. Amen, everyone, that was last Sunday. Today we're looking at the message, we we believe you must be born again. And this is very Christian language. I'm gonna explain that in just a second. Next Sunday I'll be preaching, you can live a Holy Spirit-led, Holy Spirit-filled life. This whole series is designed to be a small group's catalyst. So I wanna invite everybody in our church to either join an existing small group or host one. And the easiest place you can do that is around your own dinner table, but engage in discussion. Get on our website, lifepointchurch.tv and engage in the small group discussions that have been built and packaged around this series. I love how well our pastors have done curating those films and also the discussion comments. So today we're looking at, we must be born again. Everybody say born again. Strictly a Christian phrase that we use and I'm gonna teach it to you today. Most people, when you talk about where you're from or where you're born, they kind of speak generally, right? They talk about things like, well, I was born in the South or I was born on the West Coast or I was you know, born in the 60s or the 80s. And, and generally, we, uh, we don't get very specific about where we were born and when. Do you know why that is? Because none of us actually remember it. Think about it. I mean, that seems like a duh statement, but none of us remember being born. In fact, do you even know what you were wearing? <laughs> yeah, see what I did there? That's funny. I don't care what you say. The truth is none of us remember being born, but clearly you were because you're sitting here today. You did know that, right? So we're, we're general when we talk about where we were born. Like I, I, I always say I was born in New Orleans and I was born in the 80s, but I've decided I'm gonna get real specific. I'm gonna talk about what I was wearing. I'm gonna talk about my attitude that day. I'm gonna talk about what I said. Anyway, specifically, I was born on the sixth floor of Southern Baptist Hospital, on January 15th, 1980, I started the 80s, everybody. I decided. In New Orleans, Louisiana, I was delivered by Dr. Simon Ward, who I found out is the same doctor who delivered my mother. Mm-hmm. When he saw me, he retired. He said, I can't handle this anymore, this guy. Honestly, nobody remembers being born. It's interesting, we live in a culture today that wants to actually uh, like prop up how we were born and how, you know, what we carried when we were born and what we bring with us since we were born. You don't even know how you were born. You, weren't, you have no memory of it. But it's interesting, I had to call my mom to get the details of my birth because I don't remember it, but I know I was present. <laughs> and the same is true of all of you. Like, you don't know how you were born, you don't know the details of that. But I'll tell you this, all of you were born. And the Bible actually does state one reality about how all of us were born. 
not the location, not the nature of how it went. You know, some of you were born in a hospital. Some of you were born in the backseat of the car on the way to the hospital. But here's one thing the Bible says about how all of us were born, that we were born into sin. We were born sinners. Nobody likes to think about that, do we? I mean, we don't even like talking about sin in the church world anymore. We, we think it's a taboo word. We say, hey, don't talk about sin. It's, it's hard to hear. Well, like a doctor's report, you know, sometimes doctor's reports are, are news that we need, even though it's not news that we want. Well, here's news that you need. We're all born into sin. And though you can't remember the details of how you were born, let me tell you something. I can tell you in great detail about the moment that I became born again. I can walk you through every moment of the night that I met Jesus as Lord, that I came to believe the gospel is true, that I came to believe the, the, the way the gospel convicted me to the point that I raised my hand and I committed my entire life to Jesus Christ as Lord forever. I may not remember how I was born, but I live every single day of my life being born again, thankful for that night on Halloween of 1997. Man, let me just say, I can't think of anything more central to the message we share to the world than this central teaching from Jesus, than this message about being a follower of Christ, submitting our lives to him, being called to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as a means by which we are saved. Listen, there's a lot of different ways that we use language in the New Testament in the Christian life to talk about being born again. Saved, redeemed, a new creation, new life, but simply put, Jesus has invited all people, everybody say all people, to be born again, why? Because our birth condition is to be born into sin. And the only way out of that condition is to be born again, to live a new life with him as Lord. More than the moral teachings, people say, well, I like the teachings of Jesus. Well, central to his teachings is this message that you must be born again. It's not you can, you should, you, hey, if you're up for it, it's that you must be born again. Let me just show you where this actually comes from because born again language is very unique to the Christian faith. It's, it's language around salvation, it's conversion language. To be born again is to become a new creation in Christ. And it's famously from the conver conversation that Jesus had with a very devout, rule-following, strict Pharisee named Nicodemus. Since you, brought, since you brought your Bible, turn with me to John chapter three. And I just wanna show you this story it's one that you've heard before, I'm sure, if you've read through your Gospels, but if the Bible's new to you, I want you to see this story. It's the first time we have this appearance of this language in the Gospels. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Nicodemus, uh, the Pharisee sect was the, like, the top level of Jewish tradition. They were the, the ones who led the synagogues. They were the one who ruled the religious class of the day. And one of the devout teachers and leaders in the Pharisee movement was a man named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. Now this man came to Jesus. We're, we're in the third chapter of his ministry according to John and John kind of jumps quickly into his ministry uh, unlike Matthew and Mark who kind of stick around his lineage and his birth and some of that stuff. John jumps right into it and, and so somehow Nicodemus has heard of Jesus, heard of his teachings and he's inquiring about it but watch what happens. It says, this man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night, which I think is really interesting. Like he didn't wanna be caught in the daytime talking to Jesus. By the way, that's always when you would talk to your, your teachers and religious leaders is during the day in the temple. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at nighttime and he says to him, Rabbi, which is great that he shows some honor and deference to Jesus as a real teacher called by God. Look what he says. We know that you are a teacher come from God. 
I can just imagine, you know, it's 11.30 at night, 2 a.m., and, and Nicodemus is just looking around to make sure he's not seen, but he says, man, we, we know that you're from God. We know that. And you wonder if Jesus is like, I wish y'all would talk about it more. Like, <laughs> I'm always in trouble with you guys. He says, we know that you come from God, for no one can do these signs that you're doing, miracles, right? Unless God is with him. Can I just pause and tell you, the reason God does miracles is so that people see God. Some of us, we pray for miracles because we wanna be comforted. Why don't you ask God to do miracles so people will come to Jesus? You know what I'm saying? Like, Lord, heal me so that others may believe. God, touch my family. Like, Lord, do a miracle in my finance, in my life, so that others may come to know God. And, and so here, Nicodemus is saying, we, we see these miracles and nobody could do these things unless he's from God. Then Jesus answered, I love this response. He says, well, truly, truly, which whenever Jesus says this, he's, he's saying this is like true, this is like eternally true. This is forever true statement, what I'm about to say. Unless you, one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom God. Now, Nicodemus, as a leader of the Pharisees, teaches and leads about how to be a part of God's family and the Jewish faith and how to go to heaven as a Jew. Nicodemus, who was born into the Jewish faith, you understand this, to be a Pharisee, he was born into it. He was born of a good family, born of a good upbringing, and raised with good behaviors. Look, Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus I think in all honesty and just being a dude, like ask the most honest response he could have asked. He said, how can a man be born again when he's old? I mean, this is a great question to ask your OB. You know what I'm saying? Like this is weird. (laughs) How does that even happen? I think that's an honest question because Jesus is using a metaphor that Nicodemus is not familiar with. He says, how can a man be born when he's old? (laughs) And this is real specific and awkward. He goes, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Ladies, could you imagine your grown kid calling you one day and saying, hey, I've decided to give my life to Jesus. You, me, and Dr. Anderson are gonna meet up at three in the afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, you're disowned. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think Nicodemus is trying to figure out this language of metaphor that Jesus is using and he's just a guy. Like how in the world does that work, right? The science doesn't make sense. So Jesus responds, truly, truly. He's saying, listen, don't think here, think here. Listen to what I'm saying. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, what is it to be born of water? The, the, the water breaks, right? This is your mother birthing you. Watch this. Real people are born of water, but just because you've been born of your mother doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You must be born once and born of the spirit. This is new language for Nicodemus. This is new language in the new, in the new covenant. Jesus said, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is true, true, right? That which is born of flesh is flesh and that's who Nicodemus is at the time. And that which is born of the spirit 
is spirit. We believe, we've said it, the Bible is true. Here's a biblical text. We believe Jesus is God overall. So now Jesus is teaching us in John's gospel this statement that he says is true and truly true forever. That unless a person is born again, born of the spirit, not just born in the right family, look at me, not just born with the right mom, with the right praying grandfather, with the right pastor dad, or with the right religious beliefs, just because you've been born into this world does not mean you're going to heaven. It's a work of being born again, which everyone on earth has been born this way and everyone on earth needs to be born again. He said, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you will not see the kingdom of God. Now, this is very unique language to the Christian faith. No other major world religion teaches that we must and how to be reborn. Judaism teaches, I I, I talked with you last week about other religions and how they view Jesus. Let me give you a snapshot on that again about rebirth. Judaism teaches that to have eternity with God in heaven, you have to be a Jew and you have to be a Jew that keeps the law faithfully. Islam teaches that we don't actually need a savior, that good works will outweigh our bad works, which may guarantee a Muslim only to go into heaven with Allah. Jehovah's Witnesses believe Jesus, not God eternal, but the, the child of God, the, like the, the kid that God had. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus died to pay for past sins, but present and future sins are paid for by your good works, which is why they're so active in missions and doing things for, for others. They believe, believe and behave and you possibly might be one of the 144,000 that will experience salvation, but there's no guarantee. Mormons believe the death of Jesus, who, be, who was a, a creation of God, who became a God, that his death on a cross paid for sins, but to go to heaven, the celestial kingdom is based on your merit and your works, and the goal of eternity in the, Muslim, in the Mormon faith is not to be with God, it's to become a God. Did you know that about the Mormon tradition? It's not Christianity, I've said it before. Hinduism believes salvation is found in enlightenment, that you empty yourself of self, thus becoming enlightened and becoming a God in a state of nirvana. Buddhism says there's no sin, there's only suffering. And the way to break the cycle of suffering is to break karma, bad karma off your life. And the way you do that is to to, uh, attract or act towards good karma and be your own savior. Secular humanism and atheism said, there's no need for salvation. God's not real. There's no heaven, no hell. Just live your best life and enjoy the ride. Christianity teaches that God, our triune God is holy, that God created all things from nothing. Listen, I I, I had to actually rewrite this sermon because I got real in the weeds. Like I got into academic brain And I had a whole sermon written that had a seven-page test at the end. You just scan your QR code and we're all gonna take a test together. It was gonna be great. So I actually reworked this sermon yesterday to to make it a little bit more practical for us. But let me give you the, the high view and then we're gonna come down to the practical view. Christianity teaches that God, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is eternal and that God is holy and that he created all things from nothing. Genesis one and two said, God said it and boom, there it is. And then in Genesis one and two, we see the highlight of God's creation, which is humankind, mankind made in the image and likeness of God. We are also holy at birth, at at our original creation, we were without sin, but given free will. And Genesis three shows that mankind, tempted by the devil, tempted by the tempter, was tempted to disobey the one instruction God gave to eat of this certain tree because the devil tempted Eve saying, when you eat of this fruit, you will be just like God, which is what every one of those other religions teaches too. 
If you'll do it this way, you'll be God. You'll be just like God. You'll be in charge of your own divinity. By the way, that's been the temptation of every sin you've ever given into, whether it's sexual sin or anger or jealousy or wrath or vengeance. Every time you go against God's word, you've decided I'm gonna be God over this. That's always the sin of the temptation of the Garden of Eden. And it's always the sin we give into again. I wanna be my own God. So Genesis chapter three, we see Adam and Eve falling to their desires, falling to their temptation to be like God. People say, well, the sin of the garden is to eat fruit. No one's tempted to be a vegan. You hear what I'm saying, everybody? I'm just I'm sorry, it's an old joke. I've used it for a long time, but just let me have my fun. The sin, the temptation is not fruit. The temptation is when you eat this, you'll be like God. So we gave into that. And sin, watch this, the Bible says in the New Testament that our first father, Adam, brought sin into all of us. So sin became the condition of all humans. Now listen to me, I don't care where you were born, how you were born, you were born into sin. And that sin fleshes out in so many ways as we grow and become adults and young adults. How many of you have seen sin in your two-year-old? You go, I don't believe babies are sin, sinners. Wait till they start walking, talking, and taking. We flex our sin, we flex our independence, we flex our no muscle, right? Because we don't, we, we wanna do it our own way, which has always been our, our nature since the fall. Sin became the condition of all humans as a result of the fall of man, the, our, our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. But don't forget, God is still holy. He didn't become a sinner with us. God never said, oh, well, you know what, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just accept all of that. God is still eternally holy. He does not change. I am the Lord, I changeth not. And he still desires to have intimacy with humans because we are the highlight of his, his creation. But the gap between us now is our nature has changed from holy to sinful because we disobeyed him. It's more than your bad behavior. I want you to understand something. Sin is more than your behavior. It's your condition. It's the way you're wired. It's literally how you're born. We don't like to talk about sin. Church world is like, hey, don't, that's pushy, that's offensive. But listen, this true news is good for us. We, we are born into sin. We have sin as a result of our first parents. But how many of you are so thankful that when we blew it in Genesis 3, God said, I got a plan to fix that. If you go read your Bible in Genesis 3, we see the fall of man and God's initial response when he comes upon them and they tell him what he did, Adam and Eve said, we ate of the tree that you told us not to. The devil tempted us. Actually, it's really sad, you know, Adam blames his wife. <laughs> Guys, don't, just own it. You know what I'm saying? Just man up, take responsibility. He plays a blame game and the Lord just looks at the devil and he says, through the seed of this woman, your head will be crushed, you, your power will be destroyed. But it wasn't immediate, it was later. And by the way, the seed of the woman would be Jesus. Go read the genealogies of, of Christ. God had a plan. As soon as we fell, he goes, I'll fix it. This is the gospel. This is the good news. It's bad news that we're born into sin, but the good news is God says, I have a way out of it. And it's an invitation from God for all people because all people have fallen. All people have been born of water and all people need to be born of the spirit and no one will see the kingdom of God without being born again, being restored to right relationship with God. It's the reason Jesus came to this earth. I want you to see this here in Luke chapter 19. 
We see the story of Jesus coming into Jericho. Jesus is God eternal. We talked about this last week. Jesus didn't become a God. He is God forever, eternally with the Father, with the Spirit. But in, in the Gospels, we see that God took on flesh for the first time. He incarnated himself into our humanity, into our existence. He now feels weather and he feels pain and he, he can bleed for the first time. Well, Jesus was on assignment from the throne room. And in Luke 19, we read this story where Jesus has come into a city called Jericho and he has this amazing encounter with a man, a tax collector named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus grew up in a Jewish family. Zacchaeus abandoned his family of origin to go after wealth and riches. And he became a tax collector for Rome, extorting his own people to build a fancy house and to take a lot of money from his own folks. And yet he found himself lost. And Jesus is coming through Jericho and the story tells us that Zacchaeus Zacchaeus, who was a small in stature person, he tried as hard as he could to just see Jesus. He ends up climbing this sycamore tree so he could see Jesus. But instead what happened is Jesus saw him, calls him down, and Zacchaeus has this amazing conversion moment with Christ. Instantly, it didn't take weeks and weeks and weeks and all this time. As soon as he locked eyes with Jesus, he comes down and Jesus says, I'm coming to eat with you today. And Zacchaeus says, man, whatever I gotta do to follow you, I'm in. He said, the, the, the law says do it this way, but I'm gonna do it four times as that. I'm gonna pay back everything. And he follows the, the Lord instantly. He has this radical conversion, this amazing new birth. By the way, the crowd looks at that thinking, that guy doesn't deserve this. Man, may it never be said of us that we've decided who doesn't deserve the gospel of Jesus. Zacchaeus looks at Jesus and he says, man, I'll pay back more than I'm supposed to. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm all in with you. And Jesus said to him in Luke 19, 9, today salvation which is another term for the rebirth and being born again and, and new birth. Salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. Look, he grew up in the right family. He was born into the right religion. He's got the, all this money and power, but he found salvation when he was born again, when he met Jesus. Can I tell you, I don't care how you were born. You need to be born again. He said, today salvation has come to this house. For the son of man, here's the assignment of Jesus, the reason he came. I came to seek and save the lost. God's plan is to save us, is to recreate us, is to rebirth us, to give us a born again life because we fell into sin, we're born into sin, our condition is sinful. And listen, this has been the plan throughout all of the scripture. Genesis chapter three shows us that on the front end. Let me share with you some prophecies from the Old Testament quickly in Jeremiah 31 centuries before the coming of Christ, but referring to Messiah, Jeremiah writes under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he says, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. The old covenant, listen, the old covenant required obedience to laws and, and keeping restrictions like dietary restrictions and, and, and festivals and all these kind of things. And the old covenant required that the way we pay for sin is we have to sacrifice an animal. By the way, people hear about blood sacrifice in the Old Testament, we go, that is so gross, that's so archaic, because you're reading through your modern filter. Let me just remind all of you, you're not God. You don't get to decide what pleases him. What I'm so thankful for is we serve a God that never required human sacrifice, but he asked that we would offer animal sacrifice to shed the blood so that our sin would be paid for. And the old covenant required blood sacrifice to pay for the sins so far. How many of you know, Soon as you, soon as you sacrifice that animal, driving home to the house on your camel and you have a wreck, you blow out a back leg of a camel and you start saying cuss words, like immediately you start sinning again. Anybody ever get a gift and you break it when you're putting it together? 
I mean, that's how it feels like that cycle of like, I gotta pay for my sins and then I keep sinning. But that's the old covenant system. Watch this, Jeremiah says about Jesus, he says, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. I will put my law within them, not tablets on a wall and, and, and scrolls and documents. The law is not on paper, it's on you. The ability to follow God's design and desire will be on the inside of you. I'll put my law within them. I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. He goes on to say in verse 34, I will forgive their iniquity. And this is a forever statement. They'll walk in my forgiveness and I will remember their sin no more. God's promise for what it would look like to be God's people under Christ is a promise of being born again, that your heart will change, that his word and his ways and his will will be on the inside of you, not something you're trying to behave towards, but it's something that you're living from. Are you hearing me, everybody? Religion teaches us to change our behaviors. Being born again teaches us to change your heart, and that's a work of God and a work of the Spirit. Another prophecy in Ezekiel 36, again, written centuries before the coming of Jesus, talking about Christ, God says through Ezekiel, the prophet, he says, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit that I put in you. And watch this. I will remove a heart of stone, which is a heart that's lost, a heart of sin. I will remove a heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh, a heart that's living. Hello, have you ever heard the song, Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. How many of you are thankful that we serve a God who takes out of us a cold heart of sin and stone and puts in us a beating heart of flesh that's alive forevermore? It's only by being born again because of Jesus. He says, I will put my spirit within you and that will cause you, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. You're not just trying to perform your way to God. God's working himself through you if you're born again. He says through Ezekiel, I'll put my spirit within you. Never in the old covenant did the Holy Spirit reside in God's people. The old covenant had the spirit come on a person and off a person, on a person, off a person. David, Samson, Samuel the prophet, Nathan the prophet. The spirit would come on them, but then come off of them. But the new covenant for the born again person, look at this. He says, I will put my spirit in you. What does the Bible say in 2 Corinthians 6? Do you not know that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you? He dwells in you. Jesus said in John's gospel, he said, the promise to come is that the Holy Spirit will come and take up residence on the inside of you. Peter says in his first sermon, he goes, this is the promise that God said would come, that the Spirit would come and dwell on the inside of us, and it's for you and your children and all who would believe in Jesus and are born again. This is the promise in Ezekiel, I'll put my Spirit within you, I'll cause you to walk in, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. It's not just you bootstrapping, behaving. It's God working through you. How many of you know the feeling when God is changing you and God is transforming you and God's doing a work in you and you're like, why in the world do I wanna tithe? Why do I wanna be a generous person? Why do I wanna be forgiving? Because God is working this through you. And I'm preaching better than you are shouting. I'll cause my spirit, I'll cause you to walk in my statutes. I'll cause you to be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. That would be the promise that God made for us. And it's a promise fulfilled in Jesus. This is salvation. This is new birth. This is God's promise and plan. 
to give us eternal life. Remember back to John 3, what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Remember what I said earlier, no one remembers being born, but all of us have felt the pain of being born into sin. Am I right? Here's what the pain of being born into sin feels like. Sin, our sinful behaviors. It also feels like pain like that around us, selfishness, pride, rage, greed, covetousness, sexual immorality, murder, abuse, impurity, and all the more. All people need a savior because all people are born into sin. No matter how you were born, you need to be born again. That's the number one catchphrase people are saying, I was born this way. I was born this way. Don't change me. And we think, listen, we actually believe that we were born into sin and because of how we were born and how that fleshes out, that that's how God made us. Let's not get it twisted. God created and your parents procreated you. And because of Adam and Eve's first sin, you are born into the condition of sin as a procreated person in sin. But just because you were born into sin doesn't mean God goes, oh, well, you know, let's just live your best life and you just keep doing that. No, no, no. Jesus says, be born again. If you say, I was born this way, this is how I express myself sexually, or this is why I give into addiction. I'm, I have rage because I'm an Irish. No, 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 no. It's not even funny. Like we're saying I'm embracing sin that Christ died to overcome in me and you refuse to let the work of a born again, powerful spirit of God work through you to make you a new creation. We believe in being born again and you must be born again. Don't tell God, this is how I was born. He knows how you were born. People say it like this. Well, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. And it's wicked. That's what the Bible says. The heart of man is wicked above all things, which is why he sent Jesus to change your heart. I will put my spirit in you. I will give you a, a heart of flesh. God knows my heart. Yep, it's hard. It's evil, it's sinful. That's why he said, I'm gonna give you a new one. Is anybody excited about this besides me? My goodness, this is the greatest news ever. This is the good news. This is why we do what we do. This is why we teach what we teach. Because honestly, a world without Jesus is awful. It's sinful, it's selfish, it's painful. Everyone needs a savior and everyone needs to be born again. Everyone, we believe it's for all people. Not just physically reborn, so don't worry about calling your mom today, but you need to be spiritually reborn. This is the great exchange. This is what I believe is the great exchange. That you realize your sin. Listen, I'm not talking about you realize your sinful behaviors. That's the fruit of your sinful nature. You understand that? Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Behavior is a result of nature. So you go, well, I, I messed up. Yeah, because you're messed up. I sinned this week. Yeah, because you're a sinner. And you need to be recreated in Christ. You need to be, now look, I'm talking to a bunch of people that have accepted Jesus and some of you are like, why is he talking like this about me? Because, hey, listen, this is also the gospel we preach. And our world needs you desperately to tell them. If your gospel stops with come to my church, that's not the gospel. If your gospel stop, st if your gospel is extended to, hey, look what the Lord's doing in me, how about you tell them what the Lord will do in them? This is a gospel we preach, and I'm gonna give you that in just a moment as we close today. But let me just give you three simple thoughts as we <clears throat> wrap up this message on time. <clears throat> I want you to understand what salvation, new birth, rebirth, born again, what does it require of God? Let's not get this twisted here. You didn't come up with salvation. I didn't come up with salvation. Every other religion thinks it's come up with a new way to get to God. No, God's eternal. He's before all of that stuff. 
and it was God's plan to offer us new life. The free gift of salvation is a gift from God for you. What did it require of him? The Bible says in Hebrews, there is a requirement of God that sin be paid for, which is why Jesus came. In Hebrews, referring to the old covenant, he says, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. You go, that's archaic, that's so gross. You're not God, so it's not your decision. I get that it's weird in today's culture, but like cultures all around the world still believe this too. But look what he says in Hebrews 9. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Well, here's the problem with this system. Hebrews 10 tells us God knew no one could offer enough bulls, lambs, goats, and birds to pay for all the sins for all people. The, 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 the atoning sacrifice that, that a priest would make to slaughter a bull and, and we'd pray to God and we'd offer the sacrifice to God, it would pay for and atone for the sins up to that moment. But then you sin again, then you keep making mistakes. Hello, is that still the life we struggle with today? Right, everybody? <clears throat> God knew that no one could ever offer up enough animals to pay for the sins of everyone on the earth. Now watch this. So God... The son, Jesus Christ, came to us and took on our flesh for the express purpose of going to that cross as the final spotless sacrifice for all time and for all people. Let me show it to you in scripture, 1 John chapter two. Jesus is the propitiation. Come on, grad school word. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. And watch this. Okay, what does propitiation mean, first of all? Uh, the simplest way, Pastor Willie likes to say, it's, it's the word payment. But the word propitiation is the appeasement that God needs to be satisfied, right? So, so it's divine appeasement. It's, it's appeasing a, a deity. It's appeasing God in particular. And propitiation is a Christian term. Jesus is the propitiation, the appeasement, the divine pleasing of God for our sins. Watch this. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Past, present, future, in Africa, in Asia, in Canada, in Tennessee, in Oregon, all the world. There's one payment that pleases God for the sins of the whole world. And it's Jesus, the full pleasing payment of God for our sins. And here's the thing, some people call this cosmic child abuse, right? We go, how mean is God the Father that he sent his boy down there to take on the sins of the world? And they literally think of it as cosmic child abuse. That's not what, listen, God the Son offered himself willingly. God the Son says, I will pay for them because we love them. I will go and offer myself in their place. Hebrews chapter 10 says it like this. By that will, the will of Jesus to go to the cross, by that will, we have been sanctified, set apart, made holy again through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Look at this, once for who? What, once for who? Is there another option for salvation? Jesus did it once and he did it for everyone. and He did it for all time. And listen, there's no plan B. The Bible says in Hebrews again, it says, should we go on sinning? 
after we've received the payment of Christ on the cross? And he goes, no, there's no payment again. There's no next year's atonement. There's no Jesus 2.0. There's no additional sacrifice remaining. You gotta come back to Jesus. He's the only one. You may have tried Jesus and wandered from Jesus. You gotta come back if you wanna be born again and be saved and have eternal life. He did it once. There's one cross, there's one death, there's one resurrection, and there's once for all people, period. We believe the Bible. We believe in Jesus. Watch. He offered his body once for all. And look, he gives this showing like every other priest stands daily at his service, repeatedly offering the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Look, it'll pay for sin, but not take them out of you. It'll never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, What did salvation require of God? His whole self, the shedding of his blood to provide new life. Jesus, the son of almighty God, came as a gift for all. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would place their faith, belief, and trust in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What did it cost God to offer salvation? Everything. One sacrifice, one cross, one death, one resurrection. So what does salvation require of us? Every other religion will give you a whole list of rules that it requires of you. Christianity doesn't do that. But I am gonna tell you the simple requirement that is the hardest thing you'll ever do every day for the rest of your life. Don't you love when things are simple and hard at the same time? And it's that we accept by faith and watch this, and surrender our lives daily to the Lordship of Christ. It's our mission as a church to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, our response, what we do as a response, what does it require of us? You do, your salvation requires nothing of you to earn it, but what does it require of you to receive it? That we receive it by faith and we walk devoted and surrendered to the Lord every day. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor and theologian, famously quoted as saying, when Jesus Christ calls a person, calls a man to himself, God bids him come and die. Let me translate this for you. For now, by the way, if you don't know who Bonhoeffer is, you should Google this guy, it's an amazing story. But when God calls you to live for him, he's calling you to die to your old self and live with Christ. Remember what Ezekiel promised? That he'll put a new spirit in you. He'll put a new heart in you. And you gotta die to that old self. We've preached the gospel that says, add Jesus to your sin. That's not the gospel. You gotta die to that old life. You gotta die to your old sin. You gotta walk away. That's where the word repent comes from, which means I'm gonna turn from that. The old me has been killed with Christ, crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I used to be this way, but I'm a new way. I was born this way, but I've been born again. I was raised this way, but I've been raised to new life with Christ. I'm gonna walk with Jesus, not in my flesh. And listen, we accept it by faith. We admit our sin, our hopelessness without him. And we say, God, I will die to that old life that I may find life with you forever. Let me show it to you in scripture. Romans 6 says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Quit walking around in your old flesh. Quit walking around in how you were raised. Quit trying to be like your grandma and them. Try to be like Jesus, our risen savior, our king forever. Our body has been brought low to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Look at this. For the person who's died to sin has been set free from sin. I I would never understand someone in slavery getting set free going, I can't wait to get back in slavery again. Why in the world would we walk back into sin? Proverbs says like a dog going back and eating its own vomit is a person who receives grace and salvation and walks right back into a life of sin. 
John says it in 1 John. He said, if you've accepted Christ and keep living like the world, you're a liar. You didn't receive Jesus. Come on, Pastor Mike. He said, for one has died, has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Look at me, church. When you've been born again, you got a new last name. You got a new identity. You've become a new person. The old you is gone. And it's not because you behave now, it's because you belong to the king. It's because he's put a new heart in you. It's what, Nick, it's what Zacchaeus said, I'm different from the inside out. My God. Verse 10, he says, for death, the death Jesus died, he died to sin once for all of us. You don't have to die on a cross for your sins. Jesus died on that cross for you. And you receive his death in your place and you go, I don't have to live that way anymore. This is why I never understand people who want to just excuse their life of sin by saying, this is how I was born. This is all I've ever known. You need to know something else. You need to know the power of the gospel. You need to know the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about this next week, how to live a spirit-led life. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also, watch this, must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new man. I'm a new person. I'm not like my family. I'm like my heavenly father. And let me tell you, I'm still a work in progress. Bless the Lord. So what does it require of us? Accept this by faith. Believe it. The word believe in the New Testament is never as simple as just, I mentally agree with that. Belief in the New Testament is I'm so convicted of what that is. It adjusts my life. My life is different because I believe that. Accept it and believe it. Receive it by faith. Listen, it is a free gift. Just accept it by faith. You ever go to a restaurant and somebody pay for your food? That's like the greatest feeling in the world. But do you ever go to the server and go, I insist on paying it again? Somebody paid for, for your lunch and you go, no, 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 I insist. I will not let somebody else pay for my food. I'm gonna pay for it again. Isn't that dumb? Well, that's what all of us try to do when we try to earn our way to God and pay for our own sins. Christ paid for it for you. Receive it by faith. It's a free gift of God because he loves you. Receive it by faith and then fully commit, God, I will live under your lordship forever because you've bought me with the price of the precious blood of Jesus. I'm yours forever. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? Finally, what does it produce in us? And this is where I'm gonna close. I'm out of time. What does it do in you? What does a born-again person look like? 2 Corinthians 5 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old life has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Can we just pause and evaluate that statement? Are you allowing Jesus to make you new? Are you allowing Jesus to remove the old? Take the heart of stone out of your life. Take the sin that held you captive and just help deliver you from it. Are you a new creation or are you a plus Jesus person? I do what I want, I hustle like I want, I'm selfish like I want, I'm sexually immoral like I want, like Adam and Eve, you know, I just wanna, I wanna eat the fruit I want and then let's just add Jesus to it. Or have you left that life of sin, died to yourself, come alive in Christ? If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. This is the great exchange. You get to walk in new life. You get to let God transform your heart. You get to follow Jesus as Lord every day. I have an old friend, he's the 
father of my best man in my wedding. And he would always love talking about how Jesus changes your life. And he says, man, we're selfish, we do what we want. But he said, when, when you give your life to Jesus, your wanter changes. I said, I don't think that's an English word. What did you say? He said, your wanter changes. Can you say it slower for me? I'm sorry, I'm from the South. I don't know what that is. And he said, your wanter, the, the desire, the things you want, your wanter, put it in air quotes, it's a new word. Your wanter changes. David said it like this in Psalm 37, as you delight in the Lord, he puts desires in you. I, I desire to please the Lord. I desire to live in a way that honors him. I desire those things. I'm not doing it to earn my salvation. I desire it because he has given me salvation. It changes you from the inside out. And the fruit of your life begins to look like love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus said, I'm the only way to God. I'm the only truth of God. I'm the only eternal life giver unto God. He said, no one comes to the Father but through me. Have you been born again? Not have you gone to church? And did you grow up in church? Not do you believe in this religion? Have you been born again by the Spirit? Where God comes on the inside of you and takes up residence, changes your heart and makes you a new creation. Can we stand together all around this room? And if you're watching in a place where you can stand and don't leave, I've got a verse I need to give you and commission you with, but let me pray for you quickly. And, and I wanna ask everybody around the room, come on, let's confess this again. Let's make this sure today. And listen, I'm gonna empower you with this same message to share in just a moment. But I wanna ask you, if you would, open your hands to the Lord. Come on and pray this with me. Say, dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave his life on Calvary's cross that I may be set free from a life of sin and a reality of lostness. Say thank you for offering Jesus, giving your life on the cross and raising from the dead that I may be born again, a Christian, a new person under the Lordship of Christ. Say, I believe it happened. I receive it by faith and I accept your salvation. Say, God, I'm all in. I will live under you and for you for the rest of my life as a new creation, born again as a child of the living God. In Jesus' name, say thank you, Lord, for changing me. Say it again, thank you, Lord, for saving me, for changing me forever in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord honor and praise today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Listen, listen, listen. This is the gospel we must proclaim. If your gospel stops with come to my church, that's not a complete gospel. This is the gospel we must share with other people. I want you to hear this text before you leave. Listen, Romans 10, Paul asked the Roman church, how will anyone call on Jesus if they've never believed in him? Isn't that a fair question? He goes, how will anyone call on him to be saved if they've never believed in him? Then he backs it up. He goes, well, how will they believe if they've never heard of him? Then he backs it up again. He goes, well, how will they ever hear about Jesus if no one preaches about Jesus? Then he says, well, how will anyone preach unless they're sent to preach? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach this good news because faith comes from hearing this and hearing this word from Christ. Church, I am commissioning you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
to go out this week and preach this gospel. Don't preach rules and righteous requirements. Go preach the gospel that we are born in sin and we have a loving savior who gave himself on this cross that we might have eternal life. He's a risen savior and we can say yes to Christ. Listen to me, your coworkers won't believe unless you tell them. Your family won't believe and submit unless you tell them. Be sent in the name of Jesus. You are the commissioned body of Christ to tell the world about Jesus Christ and his glorious gospel. Be sent. How beautiful are your feet as you bring the good news in Jesus' name. Be blessed, be sent, be empowered in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message. My prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, stay connected or even partner with us through generosity, please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope you have a blessed week and we will see you next Sunday.